The Read to Lead Podcast, Episode 35. Hi, I'm Carmine Gallo, author of Talk Like Ted, The Nine Public Speaking Secrets of the World's Top Minds. In fact, here's one of the world's um, minds now. It's the Read to Lead Podcast with my friend Jeff Brown. Everything comes down to how well you can communicate. If you want to be more successful, learn communication strategies. If you have a relationship problem, 99% of the time, it's a communication problem. Welcome to the Read to Lead podcast with Jeff Brown. Jeff believes that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then consistent and intentional reading is a must. The Read to Lead podcast will not only help you narrow this ever-important reading list, but also bring you key insights and valuable feedback from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. And now, here's Jeff. Hi, welcome back to the podcast dedicated to your personal and professional growth, where we sit down with a successful and inspiring author and talk about their latest book. Today's guest is Ryan Avery, co-author of the book, Speaker, Leader, Champion, Succeed at Work Through the Power of Public Speaking. And I know what you're thinking. Didn't last week's guest write a book on public speaking? Yes, he did. In fact, Ryan, today's guest, his co-author, Jeremy Donovan is also the author of the best-selling book, How to Deliver a TED Talk, not to be confused with Carmine Gallo, last week's guest and author of the book, Talk Like TED. No, with today's book and guest, Ryan Avery, we'll dig a little bit deeper into this idea that the concepts of delivering a traditional public talk go far beyond public speaking itself. It's all about communicating your message effectively, and that's at the heart of today's conversation. And as I was conducting research for this interview, I came across a blog post uh, on the Prezi.com website. Prezi is a presentation software that I use and love. Highly recommend it. Prezi with a Z.com. And this blog post written by Noah Zandon, who is the co-founder and CEO of Quantified Impressions, the leading global provider of personal, professional, and organizational communication analytics. Say that five times real fast. He writes about the five metrics you need to know to give a great presentation. I thought these metrics uh, were fascinating and worth sharing with you, just the highlights here. Uh, Number one, the number one metric, 15 seconds. That's the amount of time you have to make a positive first impression on your audience. From the moment you step on stage, your audience will make an assessment of you and then look for evidence to confirm their first impressions. The second metric, five minutes. That's the average audience attention span. Uh, We talked last week about TED Talks being limited to 18 minutes for a reason. Our attention spans have decreased from 12 to 5 minutes in the past 10 years. Noah says the average American in a 24-hour period checks his or her phone 150 times. Metric three, 10%. Get to the point. That's the percentage of your speech that should be dedicated to your introduction. Uh, That metric is especially important given the short attention span of your audience. Metric four, 12 words. That's the maximum number of words, Noah says, that should be projected on your screen at a time or on your slide. In fact, today's guest says you should limit that to 10 words if you can. And the final metric, 100%. That's the percentage of your audience who will appreciate your speech ending on time. They're selfish. They've come to your presentation with very clear expectations and taken time out of their busy day. So make sure you end on time. Again, that's called 
the five metrics you need to know to give a great presentation by Noah Zandon. I'll put a link to that blog post in the show notes. And before we jump into our conversation with Ryan, I want to take 20 seconds just to let you know and remind you about Podcaster Academy. Next class is in April. If you or someone you know has recently launched or is about to launch a podcast, I want to help you refine your communication skills. Speaking of which, just go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash academy to sign up right now. Use the discount code READ, R-E-A-D, to save $100 off your registration. That's readtoleadpodcast.com slash academy. At age 25, Ryan Avery became the youngest world champion of public speaking in history, competing against more than 30,000 people from 116 countries to claim the 2012 World Championship title. Wow. Ryan is also the co-founder of Avery Today, Inc. and managing partner at How to Be a Speaker, LLC, where he helps professionals succeed at work by improving their communication skills. Ryan speaks more than 50 times a year to global clients that span emerging professionals, engineers, entrepreneurs, lawyers, and college students. And he has recently teamed up with Jeremy Donovan, author of the best-selling book, How to Deliver a TED Talk. Together, they've written Speaker, Leader, Champion, Succeed at Work Through the Power of Public Speaking. And I'm excited to have Ryan on today. Ryan, welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Jeff. I'm, I'm glad that we are able to connect. Me too. And thank you to Jared Easley from StarveTheDoubts.com <laughs> yes. for making that possible. I'm curious to know a little bit more about what led up, Ryan, to, to where you are today. How did you get involved with writing and public speaking in the first place? Well, I was being a normal 20-something-year-old watching several hours of YouTube videos and... <laughs> I can't just watch one YouTube video. Who can? Uh, and this one video came across where this person was going for the world championship of public speaking. And I thought to myself, man, I can do that. <laughs> and I had never given a speech before. I have never been a professional speaker at all. I just saw it and thought I could do it. And I ran outside. Uh, my wife was sitting on the couch. And I said, babe, I'm going to be the world champion of public speaking <laughs> this year. And she flat out looks at me and she goes, is that a real thing? <laughs> and I said, yes, it is. Will you help me? And she said, yes. She coached me and we took eight months of our life and dedicated ourselves to learning every single thing we could about storytelling and speaking and competing and what it meant to connect with your audience. And then after that, uh, we, we won the world championship. And the next day, I woke up to 269 emails asking wow. for me to go speak and coach all over the world. And it, it changed my life. Wow. And, and now how, how much time has passed since you had this idea that you wanted to do this? Since the idea, two years. Wow. Um, since winning the world championship, about a year and a half. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Well, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on now was as sort of a follow-up to last week's guest, uh, Carmine Gallo, who, mm -hmm. who, who just released a book called Talk Like Ted, The Nine Public Speaking Secrets of the World's Top Minds. And uh, one of the things we touched on that I want to go deeper into with you is, is that developing public speaking skills does far more for you than just preparing you to deliver a speech in a formal setting. Understanding these concepts means you're, you're going to be more successful at work, in your business, at home with your kids and your family, basically everywhere you need to speak convincingly and, and persuade. Am I right? 
A hundred percent. I mean, that's one of the things that we talk about in our book and the thing that I believe that if you want to be better in life, learn what it takes to be a better speaker. Because when you're a better speaker, you're a stronger leader. And I think that the skills that you learn as being a speaker opens up doors and gives you choices in so many other areas. Because, for example, You've got to be able to connect with your audience, talk about something that you actually know what you're talking about (laughs) and did plenty of research on your topic. So these are all qualities and skills that you need to be a better leader, to be a better person, Um, to be able to use your voice to say yes or no, that you believe in something or you don't believe in something and to say it where your voice doesn't shake, to stand with confidence. I mean, all of the things that come with being a speaker make your life so much better in every area. 100% agree with that. Well, I know as, as the subtitle of your book suggests, uh, the, the, the sort of the crux of the book is about really applying these skills to the workplace by and large. Mm-hmm. What are some first steps that anybody can take right now to begin improving their communication skills at work? Quickly identify the filler words that you use. I would say majority of people, especially those who are just graduating, are going to have the crutch word of like, like totally, like that's amazing, (laughs) like fantastic. If you want to be perceived as a professional, you have to learn how to eloquently speak and get rid of those filler words. What I would do is ask one of your peers at work to question or to look at how many times you're saying, um, like, so, and, and get rid of those filler words. It will quickly establish you as someone who is able to articulate what it is that you want to deliver. So quickly putting a a stop to your filler words, I think will be great because those will, those will transpire when you talk on the phone, when you have one-on-one meetings, filler words, get rid of them. The other thing I would do, it goes back to a similar thing. uh, What I was just saying is find somebody at work that you can practice with. Mm. So what I would do is I would practice my presentations or my speeches. I would get those feedbacks before I would actually go in and do the real pitch when I used to work at Special Olympics. And they would give me that feedback. I would go in and I would rock it because it wasn't really my first time doing it. See, what happens, people make the mistake of letting the real deal be the first time that they pitch something. Well, that should be your third, fourth, fifth time doing it where you get that practice. So that's what I would recommend. I know one of my filler words or phrases oftentimes uh, used to be, you know what I'm saying? Or I would I would right. say something like, uh, does that make sense? Like I, if I wasn't getting a response, I felt, felt like I had to say something that would elicit mm-hmm. some kind of feedback. Yep, Absolutely. Well, you mentioned uh, sort of the filler words. Are there some other common mistakes that people tend to make uh, within that communication at work dynamic? Definitely. I think the one thing that I see when I go and help clients or when I, I, was, I was just at an office setting uh, last week, and people can be on either side of the fence where they don't speak up enough or they're controlling the conversation because they're speaking too much. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to Stephen Covey's, my favorite line that he has ever said was, seek to understand before being understood. 
And what's happening in the workplace is everyone believes that their project, their idea, their message, their thing is the most important thing and it needs to be done ASAP. And there is some validity to that. I think what's happening is people are pushing their ideas and saying, I need this, I need this, I need this, instead of just taking literally 30 seconds to identify what it is that person needs that you are approaching how you can help them communicate that and then say, hey, look, I can help you with your thing. Is there something that you can do? Because I have a deadline in the next 24 hours and this is what I need. Yeah, it's interesting. Last week's episode, referring back to that again, has really seemed to have, have struck a chord. No, no pressure at all, Ryan. <laughs> uh, but uh, so much so that author Dan Miller wrote to tell me that he has shared it with uh, every speaker he knows. And uh, one of the things that has resonated, and it, and it seems so few leverage this, is understanding the art of telling a story, something that, that you've dedicated an entire chapter to in your book. For someone who struggles with this, what are some best practices for effective storytelling? That's great. And I, I'm with Dan on this one 100% because... Think about it. Every lesson that we've learned, we learn through stories. We learn through those simple fables that we learned when we were a kid, from Humpty Dumpty to the old woman in the shoe to the stories of integrity and love and trust and respect. We learn those through basic stories. And that is the key word, basic, simple. Make sure you're not complicating stories that you're trying to share. I think that's what I see most often with my private clients that I work one-on-one with who are trying to deliver a keynote or develop a message that their audience resonates with. They overcomplicate the story. So think about it in a sense, not in a degrading way at all, but telling a story in, uh, to a first grader or a second grader where you're simplifying these stories and they're basic because we understand simple messages. And those simple messages can be very impactful to us. I think that's one of the key things in storytelling. You also want to make sure that you are, I, I say um, three things, make it simple, make it impactful, make it relatable. So you want to be able to share a story that the audience that you're talking to can relate to. For example, if you're going and I'm speaking to a college uh, market, I'm probably not going to talk about the time that I messed up at work, but I'll probably talk about a time and a story that I messed up in school because that can relate to them. That story is part of where they are right now in their life. So identifying who your audience is and relating that story to them and where they are right now, I think is is important when you're telling a story. Related to that, I'm still amazed at the number of presentations I see today where the speaker basically includes most of what they're sharing uh, word for word or or at least in bullet point form on their slides instead of uh, leveraging the power of an image and letting it help tell the story and support what they're sharing. What advice do you give for designing uh, compelling visual aids uh, to help tell the story? I'm with you, Jeff. If I have to sit through another one of those boring meetings with a hundred power words on a PowerPoint, I'm going to walk out. (laughs) I almost did the other day. I was in a presentation and she was, oh my gosh, there were so many words on this. The first, my first rule with all of my executives, you may not have more than 10 words on your slide. That's it. You may not have more than 10 words. And you should really be using a visual that tells or enhances the story. I think someone who does a really good job, he actually shares a lot of his slides, is Gary Vaynerchuk. Mm. 
Um, he does a great job of telling a story by having the visual not take away from the story, but enhance what it is that he's saying. That's an important element of giving a better presentation is making sure your slide, people are still focused on what you're saying, but the slide and the image behind you is enhancing what it is that you're trying to, what point you're trying to make. I think more often than not, at least with uh, most talks I've seen, and I know I've been guilty of this uh, myself, attempts at trying to be funny uh, often Mm. fall flat. What is it about the use of humor that makes it either seemingly work really well or not at all? Okay, I want every listener who's listening to this right now to remember this whenever you're giving your next speech or presentation. Never give a joke again. (laughs) Only share a failure. Mm. Okay, I'm going to repeat that. Never tell a joke again. Only share a failure. For example, I share this story at this time when I was trying to impress my wife uh, because I lately have been learning everything I can about wine. I think it's amazing. I think it's fantastic. I love wine. And uh, my wife doesn't know that I'm learning all about this. So I'm, I take her to a fancy restaurant. I take her to this fancy restaurant and the wine sommelier comes by and he's like, Monsieur, what kind of wine would you like? And I say, sir, um, I, I go first, babe, I'll handle this. I'll order for us. And I said, sir, we'll take a nice red wine. And he's like, oh, monsieur, what a great choice. What kind of red wine would you like? And I said, sir, we'll take a Chardonnay, please. (laughs) And for all of the wine drinkers out there, they know that's a white wine. Um, And pretty much embarrassed myself Mm. in front of the wine sommelier and my wife. But it was a simple story that made my audience laugh. And I built a connection with them on saying, like, don't ever think you're good enough. You can always be learning and you'll always be making mistakes. Don't go out there and tell a joke. It makes you look like you're trying too hard that it's and most of the time people have already heard that joke. Whereas in when you share that failure, you're building connection with your audience. You're showing you're vulnerable and that you are human and that you as well make mistakes all around sharing your failures are much better than ever telling a joke. So uh, should I remember then that self-deprecation is my friend? Is that what I hear you say? <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> well, chapter five of Ryan's book is called Amplifying Emotional Texture. I love that title. Ryan, what do you mean by that? And, and how do we begin going about amplifying it in the first place? <laughs> Good point. What most people think when they hear emotion, they automatically think laughter and crying. They think sad and happy. Mm. However, there are six basic emotions that you need to amplify or spread throughout your speech or your presentation. That's anger, disgust, sadness, fearful, surprise, and happiness. Mm. So those six basic emotions are the ones that you want to tie in because then you're going to be able to pull on a variety of different memories, emotions, and really connect with your audience. Don't forget those other four uh, emotions. And I think it's really important that people take that away because I have, I have clients. I was just on a phone call with a client. And he said, man, I'm, I want to make my audience laugh and I want to make them cry. And I was like, okay, that's, that's good. However, there are, there are six basic ones. And I have a mentor who thinks there's seven. And I agree with him on this, that love is the seventh. And what, what's hard about love is it can't, uh, you can't, 
you have to be genuine with that. And what happens I see is people try to push that out there and you can very easily see that um, that is not real. And love is the hardest one to talk about and to showcase and to share with people that this is what I care about. But if you can get love in there with all the other six, mm. man, you, you're golden. <laughs> well, chapter six and seven then dive into some more of this mastering verbal and nonverbal delivery. I was wondering, Ryan, if you could outline for us some of the main takeaways uh, from, mm-hmm. from those two areas. The first one that I see often happen um, when I'm reviewing speeches or when I'm working with my clients, pause and stay in character while the audience is laughing. Okay, you want to pause and stay in character while the audience is laughing. I was watching Sheryl Sandberg's TED Talk the other day. She did a phenomenal job, knocked it out of the park. But the biggest thing that she messed up on is she did not allow her audience to laugh. And when they wanted to laugh, she kept speaking Mm. over them. And what that's doing is, in a sense, is telling your audience, hey, not, I mean, be quiet. I'm talking. But Cheryl, she did a phenomenal job, knocked it up. I mean, people, I resonated with that speech. It was so great. And it's all about how to be a better woman uh, and how, (laughs) why women need to be more in in the workplace. But uh, I just want to see more people pause stay in character while the audience is laughing. In general, just pause. Let, let it sink in. Let that point be walked away with and let it sit in your audience's mind. I think that's a big part of nonverbal. I also would recommend um, don't just retell your story, but relive your story. So thinking about these emotional overlays that you can place inside your mind of what were you thinking when that was happening, that will help you place your body in a certain way or your facial um, expressions in a certain way. And it will showcase to your audience that you're going through that emotion. I, I have heard so many speeches that are just, hello, my name is Ryan and very <laughs> monotone, right? But if you think about the story in your head, you will relive the story because you've already been there. Another thing I would say, um, when you talk about subjects you know, it gives you an opportunity to be more relaxed on stage and lets you be you. So what's important is going on stage and feeling comfortable because when you feel confident, it creates competency. Meaning when you're confident, you show your audience that you're competent in what it is that you're sharing and your shoulders aren't uh, hunched. You're, you're standing tall, you're presenting with posture uh, or good posture, and you're able to showcase what it is that you are passionate about. And those are very, uh, those are good when you are delivering verbals or nonverbals. And there's a variety of things that you can do within the uh, verbal section, but I think more people need to get the nonverbals down. Like, where do you put your hands? Mm-hmm. What do you do with um, your, when your eyes, when you're trying to, like I, I was working this one client and he was trying to express anger, but he was looking so happy. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, he couldn't understand it until we videotaped it. Uh. And I think that's a very important thing. And that's what I work with a lot of my executives on is I videotape their speeches and then we sit down and we watch it and they hate to see it. Um, But those are the things that 
you really catch and then you start to understand. It's kind of when you, have you ever left yourself a voice message and you go, oh my gosh, is that my voice? <laughs> uh, it's the same thing. Like, oh my gosh, do I do that with my hands? Oh man, I didn't know my, I pushed up my glasses with my nose like that. You catch these little things that are big to the audience. Well, I appreciate going into detail about uh, the, the nonverbal because it seems like most sources that, I, that I've read, they seem to sort of skim or skip over that a lot yeah. of times. So thank you for the emphasis on that. And going back to, to the, the point about silence or being able to wait, I know coming from a radio background like I do, uh, you know, you're often taught that you know, dead air, to make that analogy, is not your friend. But I had a talent coach who taught me just how powerful in radio even silence can be. So I, I agree with you 100% there. Absolutely. Especially now when, I mean, if there was a pause like this, people think, oh my gosh, what happened? And they pay attention now to it, right? <laughs> right. It was, uh, there was a great Super Bowl commercial a couple of years ago with a, a car company. And it was this loud boom and this car exploded. And then all of a sudden it went silent. And I remember being in that Super Bowl atmosphere. Everyone's loud. There was like 50 people in the room. And the TV sounded like it turned off. And everybody looked at the TV. And they <laughs> built that silence in there because then it progressed up. And it was just, it was brilliant on their part. But silence can really call a lot of attention to you. Yes. Well, in a very short period of time, uh, you've gone from deciding you were going to be a public speaking champion to actually becoming one. So I've got to ask, and you cover this in your book too, was there ever a time when standing up in front of a crowd to share your ideas scared you to death? And if so, how did you or do you manage your, your fear and, and anxiety? Yeah, all the time. I'm human, right? <laughs> uh, I remember there's a couple of times. I remember one time I, I was speaking in front of this huge audience and I paused. I forgot my lines because I was giving a memorized speech and I paused for 28 seconds. Um, and I know it's 28 seconds because I have it on video. Uh, it's incredibly awkward to watch, but I forgot my lines and that one was horrible. I, um, one of the rounds of competition, actually two of the rounds of the competition, I had actually broken my leg. So I had to be on crutches. Um, and getting on and off stage, I was so petrified of falling oh. and having my crutches be uh, a distraction. So that was a that was a thing that made me scared. And yeah, to this day, even when I speak in front of 20 people or 2,000, my heart beats fast. But this is what I do. And this is one of the tips that you'll find in the book that I highly recommend. Um, so about five minutes before I go out and speak on stage, I will turn off my wireless microphone. I'll be behind stage and I will speak out loud as if the event already happened. So I, if you were a fly on the wall, you would hear something like, Ryan, you did a great job. You added a lot of value to every audience member if they were taking notes. They laughed, they invited you back. Ryan, you did an awesome job. Just go out there and do it again. Yeah. And then I would, I'll turn my wireless mic on. I'll walk out on stage with confidence because for me, it feels like I've already done this before. And I've already spoken to this audience. Mm -hmm. So I have that ability to say, oh, well, I've already done this, so I can't mess it up because people already know me, they already added value. So I recommend to people speak out loud as if the event already outcome or if the event has already happened and share the outcomes that you want to have. That's it. Is that also a part of just your, your concept of kind of getting into the zone as a speaker? Mm -hmm. Yes, 
Definitely. I think one of the things you've got to do, especially my generation, is minimize the distractions before you go and speak. I do not have my phone on me. I make sure that I am there for the audience and I'm focused. There's a lot of distractions that happen and your mind, your head needs to be in that game. So minimize your distractions. Do not bring your phone up there. If you do, there are sometimes I bring my phone to share um, examples. But what I'll do is I'll make sure that I have it on airplane mode because that would be horrible, right? If my phone rang. <laughs> uh, so yes, making sure you get in the zone, I think is incredibly important. And for, for me, I do that by taking, I now have to, I, I have alone time. So I, I ask people to make sure that when I'm speaking, I, I have a green room or I have a place that I can go and relax for the 30 minutes before I go out on stage. I don't look at my phone. I just focus on the audience. I focus on the message that I want to deliver. And then I, I walk out on stage and I deliver what I was there to talk about. Well, I have some questions for you, Ryan, not directly related to the book, but before we move on to those, is there anything else you'd like to share about the book? The book is co-written by best-selling author Jeremy Donovan. And what we do is we dissect 10 world championship speeches, and then we provide you with over 80 strategies to deliver a better presentation and to advance in your career. So it's really built for that person who's looking to be a better leader. Um, it's called Speaker Leader Champion, Succeed at Work Through the Power of Public Speaking. You can get it on all of Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Walmart. It comes out April 11th. So I'm excited about that. And available for pre-order. Yes. Yes. Well, Ryan, among all the leadership lessons uh, you've come to appreciate, if you had to narrow the list down to one thing or one central idea, what advice would you give? Uh, I think it has to go back to the beginning. Develop your speaking skills. Truthfully, mm -hmm. I, I really do believe that. I believe that if you are a better speaker, you will be a better leader because of what a speaker gets you. Uh, I would say if you are able, everything comes down to how well you can communicate. If you want to be more successful, learn communication strategies. If you have a relationship problem, 99% of the time, it's a communication problem. I mean, everything comes down to how well and how effectively you can communicate and speak what it is that you care about. I was pausing for effect there just to see what that felt like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, I even was like, oh man, it's just online. See? <laughs> I like that. I like that. Now you've had the opportunity to impact a lot of people uh, in the last couple of years. At the end of the day, Ryan, what do you hope your legacy to be? Wow. That's deep. <laughs> uh, no one's ever asked me that in an interview. My legacy. I... It comes down to, so Chelsea, my wife and I, we live our life on four pillars. Um, and those four pillars are live, give, save, and travel. Um, because we wanted to identify what made us feel successful rather than one day when we will be successful. I, I think success is a, a feeling, it's not a destination. And those are the four things that we do every day in order to feel successful. So we live a happy life and healthy life. We give 10% of our income to good causes. We travel to see what else is out there and we save for tomorrow. Um, but out of all those four pillars, I think the number one pillar that has changed our life has given us more is actually giving 10%. Um, I, the, right now in the United States, um, the average American gives 2% of their income away. And think about what would happen if we doubled that to even 4%. Uh, I think our world would be a better place because I think a lot of people out there are 
take, 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 take. Mm. But if you can switch that mindset to give, I fully believe 100% that when you give, you get more. So if my legacy was something attached to giving more, making sure people realize that when you give more, you get more and focused on the giving aspect, I think that would that would make me feel good when I left this planet. Mm, great answer for somebody who wasn't at all prepared for that question. <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're, you're fast on your feet. Yeah. Uh, name for us, in that this is a, a, a podcast uh, espousing the benefits of reading, I wonder if you could name for us a couple of books you've read in the last few years that have had an impact on you and share, if you can, maybe how or why they impacted you as they did. Absolutely. And this is why I think your podcast is brilliant. I love the concept of read to lead. Mm. Uh, as embarrassing as it is, I my first book that I ever read was in college. Um, so I never read a book until in college. Mm. And I just that just wasn't part of my upbringing. And it has nothing to do with my parents. My parents are phenomenal. They're wonderful people, but they're very business-minded. And I remember just learning a lot about business, but we never sat down and read as a family. So I didn't understand how important reading was until college. And I've just become this junkie when it comes to reading as many books as I can. The one that I'm reading currently um, is a phenomenal book by, his name is Alter Wiener. And it is um, From Name to Number. And he is a Holocaust survivor. Um, I am going to be interviewing him on March 18th. One of my beliefs is whenever you're stuck and you're asking yourself, what do I want to do with my life? What do I want to do with my life? Instead of saying that, say, what can I do with my life? Mm. And what can I do right now? And I was going through that period a couple of weeks ago, like, man, what do I want to do? What do I want to do? And my wife thinks I'm crazy because she's like, you're doing so much. (laughs) And I go, well, what can I do? And I have always wanted to interview somebody who has been or who was in the Holocaust. I just, I think those are the heroes of among heroes, but it's a brilliant book. And it just reminds you of how well to live your life and nothing that you do is as stressful as that. And you should just really enjoy your family and your friends and the day that you're given. Um, The other book that is a must read, and I will fight to make sure that we get it in schools um, Mm -hmm. is the seven habits of highly effective people. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that you Everyone must read that book. I think it would make the world a better place. Stephen Covey, phenomenal quality man. And those are the two books that I am reading now. Uh, I try to read a book at least once a month. I probably read more than that, but once a month is my goal. And then I referred to the book that's changed my life forever. And that's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Awesome. Well, I know that you said the uh, new book, your book, and Jeremy's book coming out on April 11th. Uh, what else is is uh, on the horizon for you? What should we be on the lookout for next? I thought I read somewhere that you're working on trying to break another world record of some type. Yes. And for those of you who would like to be part of a Guinness World Record, if you've always wanted to break a Guinness World Record, you can do that with me on April 16th. You can do it on site or online. Uh, and what that is, is I will be breaking the world record for the largest book signing in history. Mm. We have to sell and sign 5,000 books on April 16th. That's a Wednesday. And the catch is you have to buy it on April 16th through ryanavery.com. So that's ryanavery.com and you have to buy the book that day. The cool part about it is all proceeds, um, all profits go to support Colorado State University scholarships. Mm. So we're going to be doing it on site at Colorado State University uh, in their bookstore on April 16th. 
And I wanted to make sure I gave back to my alma mater who really helped me learn how to write and who gave me so much. Um, so on April 16th, we are going to break a world record for the largest book signing in history. You can pre-register for the event at ryanavery.com. I'll send you a link. You buy it. I send you a signed book. Your name gets published in my next book that comes out. Mm. And you pretty much become a big deal because you <laughs> are part of a world record. That is awesome. Yeah. Well, well, I want to say uh, thanks again uh, to Jared Easley for connecting mm-hmm. uh, Ryan and I, and who we just met just real, literally a couple of days ago. Yeah. And to be able to come together here and do this today was a treat. And, and I think the timing is great for another reason. And that when I when I first thought about doing this now, I thought, well, I just had a guy on who wrote a book about public speaking, but mm-hmm. I felt like your book delved into other areas that we didn't really cover last week. So, Ryan, thank you so much for for being a part of this. Uh, We're thankful to have had you on today. We appreciate your time. Thank you. And thank you for doing the Read to Lead podcast. I really appreciate it. If you'd like to network with Ryan, a great way to do that is on Twitter. His Twitter handle is Avery. That's his last name, Avery Today. On Twitter, that's at Avery Today. The Read to Lead podcast makes a great conversation starter, by the way. Everything you'd ever want to know about today's episode, about Ryan, any of the links or resources that we talked about can be found on the show notes page for this episode. That's readtoleadpodcast.com slash 035 for episode 35. Remember our sponsor, Podcaster Academy, readtoleadpodcast.com slash academy. Registration is open now for April's edition of the course, and save $100 when you use the discount code READ. That's R-E-A-D. And finally, I want to thank some folks who have reviewed the podcast in the last few days. On Stitcher, thank you to Doug Griffin. He's given the show five stars and says, it's my weekly stretch and grow. Thank you, Doug. Also, Conscious Runner in iTunes says it's completely amazing and gives it five stars. I appreciate that. White Lilac 00 says, excellent host, excellent guests with five stars. And Ellery Wells from EmpoweringThe80Percent.com says, great show by a great guy. This is one of my favorites. Thank you so much, Ellery. If you'd consider rating the podcast and leaving a written review, we certainly would appreciate it. To do that in iTunes, it's readtoleadpodcast.com slash iTunes. And to do that in Stitcher, it's simply readtoleadpodcast.com slash Stitcher. I certainly hope you found plenty of value in our discussion today. That's going to do it for today's episode. I hope to see you next time on the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Read to Lead podcast. As a subscriber, we challenge you to be more than just a passive listener. Become a vital member of the community. Visit us on the web at readtoleadpodcast.com and chat with other members at facebook.com slash readtoleadnation. Until next time, remember, leaders read and readers lead. Champions, my friend, and we'll keep on fighting to the end. We are the champions, we are the champions. You don't know the rest of the words here of the world.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.